copy of the Word of God with me to the book of Hebrews as we continue to make our way through the series I've entitled, Frame Your Focus by Faith. Frame your focus by faith in the Word of God. The frame is the Word. The focus is the substance of things that are hoped for. That is the very essence and nature and characteristics of God, none other than God himself, the word, turns our attention to him. And when we respond in obedience, we're acting in faith. Frame your focus by faith in God's word. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope this series has been as uh, much a blessing to you as it has been to me. I'm so grateful for each and every one of that you're here. Thank the Lord for the technicians. Uh, Brother Brian, it's good to see Minister Lyons in the house today. Amen. And uh, faithful brother, um, Minister Will, on fire for the Lord, got a haircut. Praise God for haircuts. Amen. Hallelujah. Looking great. Amen. He is a testimony of the power of God. Uh, we are definitely praying for your sister as she's still recovering from the coronavirus. And for all of those, some 218,000 Americans have lost their lives and over 8,000 have contracted this un. Uh, ungodly disease, ungodly disease. And we want to just lift them up in prayer. And we don't want to add, uh, take anything for granted. For God has lengthened the days of our lives and allowed us to be in this house one more time. Aren't you glad to be in the service one more time? Hallelujah. 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 I think I hear a little bit of organ in there. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's turn uh, to... Hebrews chapter 11, and beginning in the verse, verse 8, I'm going to read verses 8 through 10. And we're going to be talking about Abraham today, the father of the faithful. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelled in the land of promise, as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has, a found, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Repeat this part of the verse for me. For he waited... For the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Amen. Sister Jack's in the house. Praise the Lord. So good to see her. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, we bless you. We thank you for all that you've already done. And God, we are trusting you as you are directing us uh, during this challenging time. We thank you and we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Faith obeys while it waits. Faith obeys while it waits. The Bible says that he waited for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Abraham obeyed while he waited. Or the promises of God to come to pass. That's what faith does. Faith waits and obeys 
as it, as it waits for the promises of God. Some years ago, <coughs> an article was written in the New York Times about a group of executives that uh, were responsible for supervising uh, at the airport, one of the airports in Houston, Texas. Uh, they faced and solved a major problem. They were receiving hundreds of complaints from dissatisfied passengers that flooded their office. The passengers were upset for the long wait at the baggage claim area. In response, the executives first decided to add more baggage handlers, reducing the time of the wait to an average <coughs> of eight minutes. But complaints persisted. The executives were confused and frustrated until they discovered that the average passenger took one minute to walk from bad baggage claim, resulting in a seven-minute wait. And so when they got off the plane, they would walk immediately to the baggage claim area, which only took one minute, which means that they would arrive at the baggage claim, and they would stand there for seven minutes watching the carousel of an empty baggage uh, a, a rotator uh, device just circling and circling, uh, rotator belt uh, circling. And so the complaints continued until they understood a way to solve the issue. And so they, they, they came upon an odd uh, and very uh, unusual uh, prescription for eliminating the complaints from those who had gotten tired of waiting for seven minutes watching an empty uh, carousel circle and circle. What they did is that they moved the arrival gates of the flights further back, further away from the baggage claim. So instead of it taking the passengers one minute to get to the baggage claim, now it took seven minutes to walk. Now, you, you, well, you know when you're at the airport, you got to walk a long way to get to, well, here's why they did it. So by the time you get to the baggage claim, it takes you seven minutes, and you stand, by the, when you get to the baggage claim, now your bags are just arriving. And, and so that was the solution, make people walk further so that they'd have to wait less, and when you wait less, you complain less. Now, what they discovered is this, that uh, waiting is not an issue if you are doing something while you're waiting. But if you're just standing there with empty, un unoccupied time, that's when waiting becomes a hassle. That's when waiting becomes a problem. I want you to know as we are waiting for this pandemic, to pass. The issue is not when it's going to pass. The question is, what are you going to do as you wait? Or what are you going to do as you wait? I want you to understand as we look at the scriptures today, Abraham in his entire lifetime never experienced the promise that he was waiting for, but he didn't miss it because while he was waiting, he obeyed. He didn't just watch the conveyor belt circle. 
He didn't just feel sorry for himself. He didn't give in to depression and discouragement, but he continued to obey God because faith obeys while it waits. Now, the lessons that these executives learned is something that we can apply our life. And as we continue, as we're going to see in our series, Framing Your Focus by Faith, that we meet this man, Abraham. And the backstory is in Genesis chapter 12, when you get an opportunity, that starts the legacy of Abraham. And the entire book of Genesis up to chapter 37, the primary focus is on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it all starts with this man named Abraham. Now, in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1, verses chapter 11, verses 8 through 19, we discover that obeying God by faith enables you to wait on his promises. When you obey God, you're able to wait. Somebody say amen, because faith works. Faith works while it waits. Now, Abraham's life teaches us how to obey God by faith as we wait. Anybody waiting on anything? Anybody tired of being cooped up and social distancing and wearing face masks and going into work, not going into work, numbers going up, numbers going down as to who the fatalities and those who are contracting? Anybody waiting? Anybody tired? Amen. Amen. Well, Abraham's life can show us how to continue uh, to frame our focus by faith in the Word of God. First of all, we're going to see that faith accepts God's call for the present by focusing on God's future promises. Faith accepts God's call for the present, for what you're going through right now, accepts God's call, God's assignment, while focusing on God's future promises. Secondly, we're going to discover, that was in, that's in verses 8 through 10, Secondly, we're going to discover that faith always has full confidence in God's faithfulness to keep every promise. Faith always has confidence in God's faithfulness to keep every promise. God never breaks a promise. Verses 11 through 12 of chapter 11. And then we're going to see faith remains obedient to God's word because his promises will outlive you to bless others or curse them. Your faithfulness to God's promises will outlive you to either bless people that, are, that God has attached to your life or bring curses on them. That's why it's so important that we walk in obedience as we wait. And finally, we're going to see that faith allows God to put to death the idols in our lives so that we can experience his resurrection power. God wants to resurrect some things in our life, but in order for resurrection to occur, something has to die. The idols in our lives, those things that we put before and above God. So the Isaacs in our life, we're going to see that as we go into our study of the Word of God. Are you with me? Faith accepts God's call for the present by focusing on his future promises as it waits. Listen to what it says in verses 8 through 10. It says, by faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place that he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, of the same promise. Now, it's really interesting as we look at this, this principle here drawn from these verses that faith accepts God's call 
for the present while focusing on the future. And, and the key verse there is that for he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. His present call in, in, involved him going to a place where he didn't know where God was taking him. He had to follow God to an unknown place, destination unknown. Now, watch this. Whenever we are considering relocating, here's the kind of questions that come to our mind. We want to, first of all, if you're a parent, you want to consider the school system. Is it a good school system? What about the cost of living? How expensive is it is if you move from one state to another? We're asking those kind of questions. Can I afford it if I relocate? The third kind of question that we're asking is what's the job market like based on our training and skills? Are there opportunities for advancement? If we don't see ourselves being able to find a job where we can advance, that will impact whether or not we move or stay. Somebody say amen. Uh, we also ask the question is if, we, if I move to Texas, uh, what about my family and friends? Do I want to move that far from the people I love? And then finally, one of the questions that we ask is how safe is the neighborhood that we would Am I right about, aren't those the kind of questions? Aren't those the right kind of things you consider before you make a decision that is, that is life-altering? Am I right about it? It's, it's important. But well, when Abraham decided where he would live, it wasn't about any of these things. What determined where he would go or stay was the call of God on his life. Yeah. And for Christians, the first thing that we need to be asking is, God, what have you placed me on this planet to do? What is my purpose? Where can I fulfill your will and work for you while I wait for you to return? And so the first question for Abraham is, Lord, how does where you want me to go match the call that you have on my life. Now, there are four things that are worth uh, noting about Abraham, how Abraham obeyed God as he waited. Now, I want to consider as we, before we look at those four things, is who Abraham was. Abraham was a 75-year-old man who was, who was materially wealthy, but he was spiritually bankrupt. Abraham was raised in a home that, didn't, that believed in idols and worshipped them. We learned that from Joshua, the book of Joshua. He did not know the truth of the living God. Abraham had everything but the one thing that he needed most. He lacked a personal relationship with the true and living God. And so we learned about this man. He was 75 years old. The boy was loaded. He was, I mean, he had it all, everything that the world would say that you needed. But what he didn't have, and he needed more than anything else, he needed a personal relationship with the Lord. And in Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says that the Lord called Abraham. Now, what's important about God's call on Abraham's life is that God tells Abraham three things that he must do and one thing that he will do for Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your family, your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will bless others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who, who curse you, and, then he, and, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, here, here are three things that God said that, uh, he, 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 that he expected and required 
from Abraham. The first part of that is for Abraham to respond means that he accepted the need for salvation by faith. And with that call to receive, uh, a re to enter into a personal relationship with God through faith, came these three specific instructions. He says, Abraham, I want you to get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your country and separate from your family and your father. Everything, all your crutches, I want to kick them from under you. I want you to know that God wants us to get out of our comfort zone, and that's why this pandemic persists. God said that I'm going to shake the very foundations of the earth. I'm going to disrupt the order of things. I'm going to make you know that there is a true and a living God. I'm going to make you turn from what you've been focusing on as the center of your life, and you will know not only that there's a true and living God, but you will call out to me because I have taken away the things that you so, so, so comfortably had accepted in my place. And so God says, Abraham, get out of your comfort zone. Secondly, he says, give me total control. Give me total control. He says, I want you to go where, go to a place, but I'm not going to tell you where you're going. I'm not going to give you a GPS. I'm not going to give you a map, a, a trip, a, a map, a map trip. I'm not going to give you the specific coordinate, coordinates. You just simply give me the steering wheel of your life. Give me, the st give me total control. I want you to understand that when Jesus said to his disciples, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not the things that I say? Some of us understand uh, that Jesus' death saves us from our sin, but we have never understood the, the full meaning of lordship salvation. That lordship salvation means that, we, that Jesus is our master, our controller, our ruler. When I place my trust in Christ, I'm not only accepting him as my savior, but I'm also giving him the control over my life. And so the second thing he says, Abraham, give me, give me total control. Has God gotten total control of your life? I want you to understand that what he's doing by shaking up the foundations and, and snatching out of our control the things we thought we control, we recognize that really this car ain't being driven by us, that God is really at the handle. And if we would just allow him, give me total control. And then he said the third thing, give to others what you desire to receive. He said, Abraham, I will make you a blessing. So he says, Abraham, you be a blessing. And one of the things that people say, well, those who God, that love Israel, God loves, and those who bless Israel. Well, if Israel, if Abraham had not been obedient, the promise would not have been experienced. And so he says, I will bless Abraham. I have set you apart and called you that you may be a blessing. We have no problem receiving the promises. Our issue is how we go, do we do unto others as God would have us to do, as we would have them do unto us. And then the final thing, here's what God guarantees. Here's the fourth thing. God guarantees blessings will be given. When you get out of your comfort zone, get total control, and give to others as you would have them given to you by putting the interest of others, God says, I guarantee you that your name will be great, that you will have a, you will have a great seed, and I will cause you to prosper. Anybody want to prosper? Now, how was Abraham able to, uh, able to obey God when he did not know where God was leading him. He was looking forward to a city whose builder maker was not God. He was looking, he was basing how he lived, not on what he saw, but what God said. 
He was all God needed to do for Abraham, and this is what faith requires. If God says it, that settles it. And so he was living on the basis of what he could, what God had already spoken, versus what he could see in his everyday experiences. And so one of the things that allows us to obey God as we wait is because we rest our hopes and our confidence on the on the trustworthiness of his word. That there is a city, that there is a place that there is everything that God has promised, it will, in fact, come to pass. And so Abraham was able to continue to walk with God because he looked, he obeyed God in the present as he looked to God's future promises. You will be great. Your name will be uh, mentioned among all the names. I will cause you to prosper. And so Abraham, Abraham was able to obey God in the present while he looked forward. To the promises of God. Are you looking forward to the promises of God? Do you know the promises of God? The scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you know what the, the precious and great promises that God has spoken over your life where he talks about I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. God says I will bless you beyond what you can ask or even think. Greater is he. Those are the promises of God that we are great. We are con more than conquerors in Christ. Those are his promises. Now it may not seem like we're conquering. It may not seem like you're the head and not the tail. It may not seem like we're winning but when you believe in the promises of God you can, you can obey him in the present because you're holding on to what for faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen is a confident expectation that what God has promised will be. In fact, not only will it be, it already is because God has established it in the heavens. So when my, when, when my children, my sons were very young and they're growing up and I'd come home from working and tired and exhausted and I have to go back out the house for something, it almost never failed. They would say, Daddy, can we go? Daddy, can I go? Daddy, can I go? Daddy, can I go? Now, they never asked me where I was going, how long I was going to go, how we, you know, if it was going to be safe, did they need to trust me? And, and sometimes I would literally try to sneak out. I'd be tipping, and they would, some, one of them would see me, and, and it, was, it was like I could never get away from Daddy, can I go? Daddy, can I go? And the interesting thing is they just wanted to be with their daddy. And often when they got in the car, they, they didn't ask me, Dad, you sure you can? Uh, uh, it's, not, it's dark out here. You sure we're going to get to where we're going to go safely? Dad, you sure you have the skills to drive uh, the distance that you're going? And, and Daddy, how will I know when you're going to get there? And Daddy, would you keep me away? And then not only did they not ask those questions, but well, more often than not, if the drive was a little lengthy, they would immediately go to sleep. How could they go to sleep in Daddy's car? Because they trusted Daddy. Daddy said we were going somewhere. And because of the promise, they didn't, they didn't worry. They didn't fear. Because because faith allows you to rest in God's promises about your future destination. Dad, I wonder if you want to go for a ride with Daddy. I wonder if you want to get in the car with God. I wonder if God can take you wherever he wanted you to go. I wonder if you're willing to let go of the steering wheels of your life and give God control and allow him to get you wherever his word will take you based on his will. Can I go, Daddy? Yes, I'll go if God is leading if God is leading, if God is leading, I'll go. Faith also always has full confidence in, in God's faithfulness to keep his word. Faith believes that God is going to always keep his word. 
I like what Isaiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 says that God stands over his word to protect it, to see that it comes to pass, that he bases his entire reputation on the reliability of his word. Here's what it says regarding Sarah. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Amen. And so from this one man, he had, he, who was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand. The promise that God made was to Abraham that through his seed that all the nations were going to be blessed. When God made that promise, Abraham was 75 years old. 25 years later, ain't, the, the promise hadn't come to pass. Now, Ab, Ab is 100 years old, and his wife is 90 years old. And the scripture actually says that she, not only had God closed her womb, but now she had passed the age where she could even reproduce. And so she, her body, because of that, the Bible says that his body was near dead and hers was in fact dead in terms of what, what the doctors and biologists would say, that this can't happen. There's a 90-year-old woman ain't having no child. And a 100-year-old man ain't, ain't making no babies. Now, what the interesting thing is that the plan of God revealed what he was going to do, that there was going to be a son, and through this son, through the loins of Abraham, that all of the nations would be blessed. The plan was God clearly said what he was going to do, but what God leaves out of this plan is how and when. <laughs> I want you to know that faith doesn't always have all the details. And so Abraham not only was able to obey and trust God as God was saying, I'm taking to a place that you don't know, but he was also willing to trust God when he couldn't understand how God would do it. We're trying to figure it out. How God going to do this? I don't know how he's going to do this. I, I, man, I can't figure this out. It's broken out. I mean, I, this thing is so bad. How is it going to end? So we conclude that it must can't happen because we don't have an answer for it. And so, but Abraham's lack of knowledge of the how did not discourage him from being obedient. And so faith has this kind of resolve. Faith says, if God said it, I can't think of an individual example in all of the scripture, when, and even in my personal life, when God made a promise that he didn't bring it to pass. Everything that God has said, David put it this way, he said, I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. But the promise of providing for the righteous is based on the word of God. God never violates his scripture. God is not a man that he should lie. God is, Bible said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever we sow, that shall we also reap. God not only is not to be mocked, but God doesn't mock us by telling us what, in fact, won't happen. And so faith believes that whatever God says, I may not know how he's going to do this. How, is, how are we going to get out of this coronavirus uh, and, 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 and pandemic that we're in? How, how are we going to avoid another 200,000 Americans dying? How are we going to get past this election and, 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 and cleanse this country? And I, I can't see it happening. I don't understand. I don't have the answers. But faith said, God said it, that no weapon formed against me will prosper. 
God says, when I go through the flood, I won't drown. When I go through the fire, I won't be burned. God has already said, when, when, the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, I will raise up a standard against them. God has promised that. And so I don't know how he's, what, he's going to do it, but all I know is that God said it. I'm going to stand on what God has said. The Bible said that Sarah, in spite of what her body and biology said, time clock said, now, by now, you should be married. By now, you ought to have a car. By now, you ought to have a degree. By now, with your finances, there's no way you can go back to school. By now, with your age, there's no way you can get a job promotion. By now, there's no way that your marriage can get any better. But if God said it, it is so. I remember the story in, in, in Matthew's chapter 4. The disciples of Jesus, they get on a boat after Jesus has performed miracles and and Christ says to them before he gets on the boat, we will make it to the other side. And after saying that Jesus goes to the hull of the ship, he goes and rests and he's sleeping soundly. And while he's sleeping, what what Christ never said when he told the disciples that we would make it to the other side, he didn't say how we would make it. He didn't say what would happen as we are are on our way to make it. He just said we're going to get there. And so the scripture said that a storm came and the ship began to break and the disciples were so terrified and fearful that they thought they were going to die. They threw everything that they knew on, over the, over, on, outside the boat to keep it, keep it from sinking. And they were trained fishermen. They did everything that they knew to do. And then finally, when it looked like everything was lost, Peter went down and he shook Jesus and said, Jesus, Jesus, do you care that we're perishing? And what happens when we, when we watch, when we focus on what we can see rather than what the Lord has said, we will get to the other side. It will make you think that the Lord doesn't care. It will make you think that the Lord has forgotten about. It will make you think that the enemy is winning. But faith says, we're on the winning team. We know how this thing is going to end. And so Jesus simply wiped the sleep from his eyes and stood on the side of the ship. And he, and he, and he declared, peace, be still. He, didn't, he doesn't tell us how he's going to get us out. But he has always promised that he will make a way out of no way, that he will cause our mountains to be moved. He will straighten a crooked way. He doesn't say how. He simply says that I will provide. I don't know when he's going to do it or how, but I do know that he will do what he promised. Faith never stops obeying because God's delay, because faith believes that God will do what he promises, even when we don't understand how. We can spend our time losing sleep at night, wringing our hands, walking the floor, trying to figure out. And I'm learning, uh, and I've been in in this walk for a long time, just to lead people to the Lord and let God. I don't know how he's going to work with folks' heart, but I know when people know Jesus, God will deal with them. Somebody say amen. He said, Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. And I'm, and I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm a, of the seed of Abraham. So who, who blesses me? God, if, if they, you bless me, God said, I'll bless you. Faith always has full confidence in God's faithfulness to keep every promise. Has he ever broken a promise to you? Just think about that. Oh, he may be late as far as your, your time has been determined, but he's always on time. And I'm talking about the guy can get there late and still be early. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Here's the third thing. Faith remains faithful to God's word because his promises will outlive you and bless or curse others. 
the promises of God for your life, his vision, his legacy, what he has purposed for you to do in his life will live beyond you. And it will either bring blessing to your family or it will bring cursing. Just think about the generations of poverty in the black community, the, the generations of incarceration and, 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 and certain other uh, uh, generational curses where certain types of demonic spirits of drug addiction and, 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 and homosexuality. And you look at families and, and divorces and multiple, uh, and it's, it's generational. Your legacy will live beyond you either to bless or to curse. Listen to verses, uh, 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 verses 13 uh, and, and through 15. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They continued to stay faithful, to work for the Lord as they waited. And here's how they did it. They did not receive the things they promised. What, we, what you work for, some of the things that you thought God meant for you, really weren't meant for you. They meant for your children. Somebody say in. And they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. They saw what God promised in the spirit realm, but they died never receiving it in the physical realm because it wasn't intended for them. Somebody say amen. There's some things that God has shown you about the future, but that future is for another generation that will come through your loins. But if we're not obedient to the word of God, what should have been a blessing to your offspring will become a cursing because you did not walk in obedience to God as you waited. People who said such things show that they are looking for a country of their own, of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, if they had been selfish, they would have had opportunity. They could have returned. You could have just gone back and done your thing. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to do my thing. I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to be obedient. Everybody around me is doing, 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 seem like they're getting away with whatever they're doing. I'm going to be like them. But these, these, these faithful uh, 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 saints here, they look beyond their own personal experiences to a future that would allow their obedience to be blessed in the lives of those who would follow. Somebody say amen. They continued to obey God throughout their entire lives. They did not receive the complete promise, but they kept serving. This includes the generation of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses. The, the promise was not realized for over, oh, oh, through Jacob, Isaac, and, and, and Joseph, or Moses. It was realized through Joshua's generation. It took, thousand, it took over a thousand years before the promise that God made, but every promise, it doesn't matter when it comes to pass, it will come to pass. The promised land was finally given to Abraham's descendant during, his, during the lifetime of Joshua. The promise was bigger than them, but depended on their obedience. It was dependent upon their obedience. Somebody say Amen. Your children will be blessed through your obedience as they wait on you, wait as you live by faith and wait on the promise. Stay with me. One of my favorite biblical characters is, the per, is none other than Joseph. You remember the story of Joseph? God gave him a promise that his, his father and siblings would bow at his feet. He was only 15 years old. That was shortly after his mother died, giving birth to his youngest brother, Benjamin. 
And so after his mother died, now he is forced into a blended family, raised by step-parents, hated by his brothers, beaten and thrown into a ditch, ultimately sold into slavery, ends up in Potiphar's house in Egypt. His wife says he raped her. Now he's in jail for uh, at least seven years. Now he's 20, uh, 22. So 15 years gets the promise, thrown into a ditch, ends up in prison. Uh, he, he interprets a dream for two of the prisoners. Both say they're going to remember Joseph when the king uh, makes his decision. They forget about Joseph. He stays in jail. And so finally the Lord at 30 years of age, 15 years after the promise. How long have you been waiting for your promise? 15 years later, now Joseph goes from the, the outhouse to the, to, the, to the penthouse. He's in the palace, second in charge to Pharaoh. And guess who ends up in Egypt? His brothers. And guess what they do? They don't recognize Joseph because he don't look like what he went through. But they look like what they went through. I want you to know when you wait on the Lord and you're obedient, you won't even look like what you've been through. They did not recognize him, but he recognized those jokers. <laughs> and they bowed at his feet. And I want you to know Joseph had not understood that the promise of God was bigger than him. He could have given in to a grudge or a hatred. This was the time to get even. I'm going to show you guys how it is to be thrown. But instead of looking at it from his perspective, and he understood that what they intended for evil, God, God meant it for good. So God sent me before you when I was in the prison. <laughs> God sent me before you when I was accused of rape. God sent me before you when you beat me and you talk bad about me. And, and, and I'm not going to deny that you mistreated me and these things happened. But God was sending me before you to save a nation because the vision for my life is bigger than me. And I want to be obedient so my life will bless those beyond the grave. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. If God called you to it, it's bigger than you. If you can pull it off, it didn't come from God. Here's the final thing. Here's the final thing. Faith allows God to put to death the idols in your life so that you can experience his resurrection power. Look at verse 17 and through 19. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, will be, will be, uh, uh, the, the promise will be realized. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise him from the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Abraham obeyed God. As he waited, even when it didn't, he didn't understand why. It made no sense. He had waited 25 years for the promise, and now here God saying, I want you to offer up your Isaac, your only son. Place him on the altar, and I want you to give him to me as a sacrifice. What God requires of us doesn't always make sense. 
I want your Isaac. I want that thing that is most important to you. I want that thing that you're holding on to. I want that thing that keeps you up at night. I want that thing that makes you smile more than you smile when I'm in, 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 engaged with you. I want that thing that is your priority. And why does God want that thing that matters most to us? Because anything that is more important to us than God is an idol. And that could be your job, that could be your children, that could be your marriage, that could be your appearance. It used to be our appearance as teenagers, but we ain't holding on to that one no more. It used to be where we, what we lived, or what people, they had, look what I'm driving, look where I live. God wants us to offer up everything that is more important to, to us than he is. Now, how was, a, how was Abraham able to trust God with the life of his son, who had already how was he able to put his son on the altar? That, the biggest question is, now by this time, Isaac wasn't no baby. He was a teenager. And well, as they're going up Mount Moriah, <clears throat> Isaac had said, Lord, I, uh, Daddy, I see the wood. I see the altar. <laughs> but where's the sacrifice? <laughs> and his father just told him, and he obeyed his father because he trusted his dad. And, he, and he, he placed his son on the altar. And the Bible says that he raised his hands to, to slay his son, to sacrifice his son. And the Lord had to say to Abraham, Abraham, do no harm to your son. I have, I have reserved for you a ram in the bush in the thicket. And so why was Abraham able to trust God? He says that he believed that if God slayed him, on that altar that day, that he would resurrect them, that he wasn't going back home without Isaac. He wasn't going to show up with, to Sarah without that boy. God would resurrect him. How did he know that God would resurrect him? Because God had already resurrected some things in his life. Sarah was, was considered dead. She was barren. Abraham was 100 years old, and he experienced the fact that God took that which, humanly speaking, was dead, and he gave it life. He brought back from that which was dead. The very son that he's now saying, offering up, offer up to me, offer up every idle thing. And then when you offer it up, when you're willing to do it, God said, now let me show you how I can raise that which was dead back to life. Yeah. Remember the story of, uh, of Mary and Martha, the two friends of Jesus. And he had their, their brother, Lazarus, was one of Jesus' best friends. They sent a message to Jesus. He was in Jerusalem, only two miles away. From where, Bethany, where, where Lazarus lived. And he said, our brother, the one who you love, your friend, he's in critical condition. He's in the ICU. He's not going to make it, Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus, Paul, he stayed two days longer. And then by the time he arrived to where the place where, 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 where uh, uh, Lazarus lived, Lazarus had been dead and buried and in the tomb for four days. And when Mary and Martha, when Martha, I love Martha. Mary just stayed home. She wasn't, going to, she wasn't going to confront Jesus, but Martha was a confronter. You remember Martha was the one who said, Lord, well, you better make my sister get up off her, get off of her backside and, and help me in this kitchen, help me with these collard greens, help me to get this food together. You got all these people up in my house. And so Martha uh, confronts Jesus again. She said, Jesus, basically, why did you let this happen? You're two miles away. If you had been here. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lazarus would be alive today. And Jesus said, without disputing her, she said, your brother will live again. He said, yeah, in the resurrection. 
And here's what Jesus was trying to say, that when we put our idols, when we, when we offer our idols on the altar, God will, will do a greater miracle. That God will do the greater miracle. He will show us. Jesus said, well, I am the resurrection and the life. Though your brother be dead. Now, here, here, here's, where, here's, where, here's where faith becomes sight. It's one thing for Jesus to say, I am the resurrection and the life, that I can reverse the irreversible. But here's the second step. The obedience had to occur. He said, take me to where you laid him. Now, if he hadn't taken Jesus to the graveyard, Lazarus would have remained in the tomb. And so that's the first step that leads faith to becoming sight. They take him to the tomb, and now here's the greatest step of faith. Jesus said to the men, remove the, move the stone. And Martha said, oh, God, Jesus. Now, I love my brother, and I'd love to see him again, but by now... We done put all kinds of perfume in, and, 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 but he by now, he is stinking. And Jesus said, roll away the stone. And then he called forth. I want you to know that the Lord will allow us, once we put to death those things that are more important to him, he will allow us to take him to the tomb of the Lazarus situations in our life. And when we take him to the tomb and obey what he said, you get out of the way. You present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And what I am going to do, I will bring back to life that which has died. Somebody say amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Faith obeys. Would you stand? Faith obeys while it waits. Faith obeys. Are you going to obey while you're waiting through this pandemic? While you're waiting for Thanksgiving to come and not being able to spend time with your family like you used to and and all these other special events that we have around the house. Are you going to continue to be obedient to the Lord? Because when you are obedient to the Lord by faith while waiting, God will bless you. God will bless you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for all that you've said and all that you've done. Now have your way. And those who have heard your word, that we would be obedient as we wait. By faith in your word, may we obey your word and you will bring it to pass. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be dismissed. Amen. Because of the time's sake, let me just pray and give you. Father, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that our hearts have heard. And we desire, oh God, that we would please you, that we would enter into the experience of Abraham. We say these things were written that we might learn from the example of those who have gone before us and that our confidence would not be in, in the arm and the strength of man, but our confidence would be in you. Now, Father, go with us and be with us. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.